Welcome to BTL. It's the Born to Lead podcast. This is Brett Kelly, your host, and I've got this is going to be a really fun episode. I've got a master behind the scenes of all things operational that take place. I've got Christy Belt Grossman with me for the episode today of our of our podcast, and Christy is. I, I really like to say you're like behind the scenes kind of not so much anymore. I guess you're helping other people that are behind the scenes become yeah. successful and find their path to their own success. So Christy, thank you for saying yes, being on the show and welcome. Awesome. Thanks for having me. I, I love that you're going to highlight operations because that's my passion and I think we get forgotten sometimes. So thanks for having me. So before we just started, I was I was telling Christy that, you know, although I'm not in, in real estate production necessarily anymore, that I, I when I was, I had this belief that operations was the ruler of the kingdom, like ruler of the world. And and it, it is so true. The stuff that happens behind the scenes oftentimes gets left behind. However, operations is to me, it's like the, that's the offense that's who scores the the goal. It's not, you know, the other way around of being defense and protecting. So it, it really is the offensive move, right? It's a true partnership. Yeah. yeah. We both it, need each other. So tell, tell everybody and, and, and me as well. I know we've spoken in the past, but for the sake of this, so a little bit of your back history. I know you've got family history within the real estate industry. So a little bit about that and then where you're at today. So I am the CEO and owner of Ops Boss Coaching. And how that came to be was uh, I spent 10 years in the mortgage business. And I led seven offices in three states, kind of expansion before expansion was the sexy word in real estate. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I have two adopted girls and decided I needed a life. I was a workaholic and my family had a real estate team and I joined my family real estate team um, in hopes of also, you know, working less hours. Loved what I did, helped them build a team. I was the COO of uh, one of Keller Williams' top real estate teams. We were number five in the country at one time. Wow. And did that for 23 years and then started coaching and training because I'm super passionate about the wizards behind the screen, as you called them. And um, opened my coaching and training company five years ago and then was kind of doing both. And as, as Gary Keller says, you can chase two rabbits and you don't catch either. So I decided to follow my passion and um, five years ago, opened my company and I've been doing this full time for two years, I guess now. And then I have a, a team of other coaches and trainers as well. That's amazing. You, you've come... I mean, through your journey, I'm sure you've run into a lot of the the obvious struggles with growth and and the challenges of of every bit of it along the way. Can you reflect back on any time where you were you felt as though you were plateauing through this journey? Yeah, I think that's probably one of the reasons why I started coaching and teaching. Um, I 
you know, at a certain point you master your role and I was able to continue to grow and our team was growing and we were adding people. And then um, at a certain point, um, I wanted more and I wanted to help more people. And I was really passionate and I am really passionate about real estate as a vehicle for helping people, right? So we help our buyers and our sellers. We help the people on our team live their fullest lives. And I wanted to do more. And we were talking about that before we got on here. You know, when you turn a certain age, uh, life becomes about impact and not necessarily about all the other things. And I decided I needed to have more impact. I wanted to do that. And I'm really, really passionate about the people behind the scenes that get forgotten in some of our conversations about life by design. Um, and so it just kind of naturally happened that I grew into this. That's beautiful. That's so great. What, what you said as real estate being a vehicle to helping others to their success. I need to get that. I like, printed on on a poster on my wall or something. I mean, that... It really is quite a unique industry, right? And especially, you know, being part of KW and we coach, just to be clear, we our color is pink. So we co we coach all all different um, companies uh, around the country. Um, but in particular, what I've gained from being part of the real estate team that I used to be on with Keller Williams was that growth mindset and that so many lessons learned in real estate can be applied to your whole life to help you have a bigger, fuller life, right? Um, so that's been really awesome. How do you help others come to the realization that you have struggled in time to come to on your own, such that you, you had said, you know, real estate is a vehicle to helping others achieve their success when you're coaching and you're you i know you coach with some very high level leaders how do you align with those folks and if there's not alignment how do you help educate them or or change their perspective on exactly that that real estate is a vehicle and they can operate then in their own passion space i think i think it's just a matter of opening up the vision and um showing them what they may not know. I think everyone wants to live their best life, right? We all want that. And first of all, we have to ask great questions so that we help people figure out what is that for me because it's different for every person. And then to help them connect the dots between where they wanna go and what they want their life to look like. Where am I now? How do I get there in between? Um, and what are the tools I can use? Who are the people I need to know? What are the classes I need to take, you know, all of those things. Um, it, it's just a matter of helping people connect the dots. Uh, it's not about my vision for them. It's about their vision for themselves. When you, were you under a lot of pressure kind of growing up in this, in this high performing real estate family dynasty that you were? Um, under pressure to be in real estate, you mean? There was never any expectation of that. I swore I would never be in the real estate industry. <laughs> well, here we are. <laughs> and here, here I am and I love it. Um, but I went my own way in, through banking, through the mortgage industry, and then came back to real estate. Um, I grew up before, I'm, I'm older, so I grew up during the time where realtors had their home phone number on a business card. And I was the kid that got to answer the phone for the top producing realtor in town. 
and I hated it. So I swore I would never be part of real estate. Um, and then things changed. My eyes opened to the opportunity. So in that, I guess with, with pressure, maybe, you know, reframing that to, I mean, you, you were in the family of one of the top five producing agents out there at all point blank. So did you feel that you had to perform, you had to succeed, whatever that looked like, whether it was real estate, answering the phone in the kitchen, hanging on the wall or, or not, did you have that, that sense of pressure to, to perform for other people? Uh, no, I can't say I did. I'm naturally driven that way. I'm a 90, I'm, I'm not your typical operations profile. If you're familiar with disc, I'm a 99% D. So I'm very, very driven. I'm very competitive. I am competitive within. I like to achieve for myself. I like to grow myself. Um, if I, you know, if I'm winning, that's awesome too. We, we like to win. Um, but I never felt pressure that I had to achieve for anyone else. I guess I'm blessed that way. That's amazing. It is amazing. You know, and real estate, I, I, I do say this often and, and I still do believe that it is one of the most entrepreneurial avenues or career paths that you can get into simply like, like you, you were stating that it's, it's a vehicle to help other people. Once you get to that point and it's not just transactional, everything changes. I mean, you pretty much go into a business where you're, you may go from you know selling homes to all of a sudden you're operating in such a high level you've got you've got like a master's degree in business mm -hmm. it's, it's incredible so what i'm curious though because you were such a driven individual what what gives you joy what brings you joy what gives you happiness what gives me joy is when I know that I'm using my God-given gifts to help other people and I can see that their lives are changing in a positive way. And I don't say that from an ego point of view. I give all credit to God, but we all have different gifts and talents. And I think that's part of what propelled my growth into um, my coaching company is the ability to do that. I literally get to do that on a daily basis. Like I can jump out of bed and be so excited about every conversation. I laugh, I cry, like it's awesome. It's incredible. And when people share their stories back, coaching clients share their stories back, it's just such a blessing. That is the best feeling. You're like, you know, I am doing something right. It, it is working. I didn't just make it up. It well, did, I, and and I, the it amazing thing is it's them doing the work, right? I'm not doing the work They're They, I tell them that all the time you're doing the work, but if I can just be this little facilitator to connect the dots for people so that they can do what I think oftentimes I see in them, what they don't see in themselves. Yeah. And if I can help them see what, what others see in them, or I always tell them like, what if you could perform the way God, if you saw yourself the way God saw you, what could you do? Yep. Whoa. And then connect those dots and, and see what they can do. It's fun. How do you go about setting goals, Christy? Because you're, you're helping others achieve their goals. How do you do that for yourself? 
Um, so the process that we go through, my husband and I do this together. We do an annual retreat every fall, um, usually the first weekend of November. We go to the beach. Um, Wendy Papazan about, I don't know, it was about 10 years ago, shared with me some of the questions that she and Jay, they now have a class actually, they teach about yeah, it, but at the yeah. time they weren't doing that. And we took that and we added to it an, a spiritual, my husband works for a church, so we added a little bit of spiritual questions. Um, we do everything from putting up poster boards and drinking wine and like just jotting our thoughts and drawing pictures to um, exercises where we've done a spiritual gifts inventory to, um, so we're very purposeful about what do we want our business goals to be, our personal goals, our health, our finance, our spiritual, all of that. Um, and then you've got to add in the accountability piece, right? What does that so, look like? Um, so for us, Actually, you know, this started back when I was on my team. Um, I'm very goal driven and we use the 411, right? So yeah. one year, one month, four weeks um, of goals. And my team wasn't into it. So I went to my husband and I said, I need an accountability partner and you want to do this 411 thing. And he's not, he has his MBA. So he's really smart. He works for a church. No one cares about me more than he does. So uh, we would get together once a week and just kind of go over that. We've loosened up on that a little bit. We're not so good about doing it every single week now, but we're much more intentional about putting things on our calendar and, you know, have we hit the goal that we had? It could be goals as simple as um, my mom laughs. Like I have a goal on my 411 to have dinner with my parents every month. Oh, that's awesome. I like that one. All right. So let's, let's talk about ops boss coaching. Uh, I want to know more of how, how this came to be because you were in the operations space with the real estate team. How did you get into the, the mindset around, I'm going to start this coaching platform to help other people, other teams and organizations achieve what they're lacking? So I think part of where it came from was as I was in early in my career in operations, there weren't very many assistants. So for example, our team, the team that I was on was one of the first teams in our area. You know, we had 10,000 realtors and there were maybe five assistants. Oh my God. So I always wanted to have, I, I never had that resource someone else to talk to, a community of people to mastermind with, someone to learn from, all of that. And so over time, as our team grew and we became one of the top teams, I started to get to know people around the country. And um, I had a 30-minute drive time each way to my office. And during that 30-minute time, I would often consult people and mastermind with people. And just it was just a natural giving back. Um, and then I realized through that, there was so much need and I actually resisted doing coaching for a long time. I had people beg me to do coaching and I'm like, I just don't know if I would be good at it. I don't know if I would like it. And I, my very first coaching client wrote me a really compelling email about why she really wanted to coach with me and would I please reconsider it. And I finally said, okay, we'll try it. I'll try it with one person and just, I'm not going to charge you a lot of money. We'll just see how this goes. And I fell in love with it. Are they still a client? They're not still a client. They're still in the business. 
That's so good. That's yep. so good. She's awesome. Yeah, she's still she's still part of our community. She'll be at our Ops Boss Leader Retreat in October. So yeah, we're still close. How many how many attendants do you typically have at at your your annual event? So we've got a number of different things at the annual retreat. This will be our third year and with COVID going on, I'm not sure how it's going to shake out. The first year we had about 100. Last year we had about 140. Wow. Um, I probably would have expected 200 this year. And I think we'll probably end up in the 50 to 75 range, depending on what social distancing and all of that yeah. shakes out. And then we've had uh, about 2,600 come through our classes. Wow. Are, are you finding that you're mostly helping a director of operations for an organization or their we their have all different levels of people so we have group coaching which is geared towards um, assistants who are in the business three years or less and it's a small group we have one-on-one -on -one coaching and in the one-on-one -on -one coaching i've got other coaches that coach with me and we all kind of have our own little niche um, so we have some where they may be the executive assistant and the only admin on the team uh, we have uh, one of my coaches has 15 people on, on her admin team. She coaches a, or she's the COO of a really large team. Um, I also coach owners of transaction coordination companies. Mm -hmm. um, so we have all different things. Uh, my partner, Stephanie, coaches actually a couple of leadership teams where she coaches the owner um, along with their director of sales, along with their director of operations. But it's operationally focused still. That's very interesting. How do you seek mentors for yourself? I mean, you, you've connected, I've seen even some of the, the individuals that you and Lindsay have come on your podcast to give it a, a little shout out there. Thank so you. people that come on to, onto your podcast, I'm intrigued by some of the, the names and the individuals. We've had some of the same guests. I, I think that's, that's amazing that there's alignment there though, but you know so many people from your well, family, from the coaching. Tribute. Yeah, I will pay tribute to Lindsay. Lindsay is a high I and Lindsay is, so Lindsay and I are not business partners, but our businesses very much um, intersect because we're both in the operations world. So right. she is the top, the number one top recruiter in the country for real estate operations. And then she gets them in, gets them trained. And then when they're ready for coaching and higher level, then they come over to us. Amazing. Um, so she, what we decided last year is both of us really wanted to work on our leadership. And we thought, well, what's the best way we can work on our leadership is to have conversations with the best leaders in the country. So we said, well, if we're going to have those conversations, let's share them with everybody else. And that's kind of where the leader equation came from. I love the, I love the name of it too. That's great. So is there outside of the podcast as a platform for your you know, your education as well as contributing that into the, the ears of others and your listeners. How are you seeking other mentors that, that either you coach, you coach with as you being the mentee? Or how do you how do you seek mentors in general at this stage of your success and where you're at? You know, I think it people think that's a big complicated thing to do. And it seems intimidating. My experience has been when you just reach out to people and ask them that they're mostly happy to do that. You know, I have some people that I talk to on a regular basis where it's like we have scheduled calls. Um, I have uh, actually one of your previous guests. 
uh, Anna Kruger, mm -hmm. we coach each other. So we have a call every other week, 15 minutes for you, 15 minutes for me, and we kind of mentor each other, right? Um, and then I have some mentors where I might only meet with them every quarter, um, kind of as needed. I have a, a spiritual mentor who I actually asked to mentor me in business, which was really outside her comfort zone. And I love people Dang. getting outside their comfort zone. Oh, yeah. But when I was trying to figure out um, and discern my path to open my coaching company or to go full time with my coaching. So I spent a lot of time with her over a short period. And then now we see each other maybe every quarter. So I think it's just a matter of asking. It makes so much sense. It's so simple too, right? Right. Yeah. It's easy to have a lot of the limiting beliefs around, you know, oh, I'm sure they're too busy. They don't have time. I'm, I won't do that. Maybe next year I'll email them. You know, it's funny. I teach a class around the country and one of the activities that we do during the class is that they have an assignment to find an accountability partner in the room. And before we come back from lunch, you have to have an accountability partner and set your first accountability um, meeting. And of all the, and I've been teaching now, I've had over 2,500 people in our classes only one person has ever asked me to be their accountability partner. Really? Which I thought was really fascinating because I, I, when she did it, I was like, good for you. That's awesome. No one's ever asked me that before. And then I thought, I wonder why no one else has. And I think right? it's just they think, oh, she'd be too busy. And at this point, I probably, probably <laughs> would be. But, <laughs> but it, it, it made me want to say yes just because the person asked. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I think it's it's important just to ask questions in general, even if it's as simple as, will you mentor me? Will you be my accountability partner? Will you help me with this project? Most people struggle saying no to a lot of things. I think there's- And especially if you ask in a prepared way. Yes. If you ask a really general question and the person's like, where do you even go with that? Are you prepared? Right. But if you come and say like, you know, I'd really, I've done my research on this and I'd really like to talk to you about X, Y, Z and your experience and you're really prepared with great questions. They're going to say, absolutely. Christy, what are, what are some of the questions that you've been asking yourself lately? So actually, it's interesting you asked that because I just um, sent questions out and I've been talking with our coaching clients this week about those questions. And at lunch today, I said to my husband at dinner tonight, here's what I want to talk about. Oh, I love that. That's awesome. Um, so I'll, sh I'll share those questions with you. And where this came from was um, it was an exercise that I did with uh, I do with our coaches at the end of the year. So the week between Christmas and New Year's. We just do these, okay, I'm going to throw out these thought questions and, you know, what are your answers? And this year with everything with COVID, I was like, gosh, it feels like it's already been a year, even though it's only been six months, right? It's July. So um, I'm asking people what was challenging at the beginning of the year that is no longer challenging. Uh, what are three things you are most proud of accomplishing so far this year? What did you do well the first half of the year? What will you do differently in the second half of the year? What are you grateful for? What did you learn about yourself? And what did you learn about your business? 
So that's what we're going to be talking about at dinner tonight. I love that. That's great. <laughs> that's so great. How would you rate your your communication in your relationship on a scale of one to ten with your husband? Hundred million. I'm really, really blessed. I'm super passionate about the vocation of marriage, and I've been incredibly blessed. Yeah, thirty-seven years. That that is a blessing. That's incredible. Yeah. Especially when you're asking questions like this. <laughs> you know what? He's the, he's the perfect match for me. You know, he he's not driven like I am. And yet he's really, really smart. And he's just up for anything. I'm like, hey, you want to do the, you know, let's do the love languages test or let's do the KPA or let's figure out what your disc profile is. Like he's done all of it. He's been to quantum leap with me. He's nice. got his ABA validated. Like he's all in. So I give him a, a lot of credit for that. That's so, that's, that sounds like fun too. It is fun. How do you take care of your staff? How do you take care of your staff? Are you asking me specifically or as, as a, as a leader? Okay. So I would say when I talk to my opera, I'm talking operations leaders, but, mm -hmm. but no matter what role you're in, this can apply. I think how you take care of your staff is, um, and I'll share a story of someone who I think does this really well is, you know, what their dreams are, you know, what their goals are and you become the vehicle to success for them. And then on a more granular level, I think the answer is that you have, because I'm an operations person, you have some sort of system around that so that it's not just kind of on the fly. Um, someone who I know is super, super successful in the real estate industry that does that incredibly well is Sarah Reynolds. Mm -hmm. She leads the number one team with Keller Williams, she has a notebook she carries around and she has, I don't know, 75 or some big number of people on her team. She has every single person on her team, one page information in there and she knows what their goals and dreams are. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. And then you talk to her employees and it's not, she just knows them. She actively seeks to help them achieve them. So she aids in and their success to live a life worth living by just getting to know them on a more personal level. And then helping them really tangibly achieve those goals, you know, providing education, providing, you know, financial reward, all of the things that are going to help them develop as a person in order to get right. there. So for me, I know, for example, with my coaches, I know one of them, is really working because she wants to retire in the Ozarks oh, and wow. that's her dream is to do this. And I know another coach is like, she's like, if I could sit on a beach and do my coaching calls, um, and then, you know, hang out in the sun, I'd be so happy. I'm like, well, let's do this. I love that. I love, I feel like I need to go get a spiral notebook. To <laughs> But you have to have systems around it, right? So right. what are the systems? Are you meeting with them and doing accountability meetings once a week? Um, do you have to take care of your people? I have a spreadsheet, for example, that says all my coaches, 
what their disc profile is, you know, what their goals are, what kind of flowers they like, you know, all of the things, what's their love language. Um, and then I have it in my CRM periodically to check in awesome. and make sure that I'm appreciating, make sure I'm touching them. From your standpoint, because you lead other leaders and, and aid in them leading their leaders, how would you encourage one to know when to push others towards their goal or exceed their goal? I, I, I'm a big question asker, I think. I think they have to decide to do that. I'm not gonna push anyone to do anything. I'm going to ask them, you know, if I, if I see that someone can do more, I'm going to ask them. And I, I'm not going to just ask them about the goal. It's what's behind the goal. What's important about that goal? What will happen when you hit that goal? Why is that important to you? How does it feel? How does it smell? How does it taste when you're at that point? What would happen, I'll, t I'll give you an example of someone doing that for me. It's why my Ops Boss Coaching business exists and why I'm passionate and doing it full time instead of doing it with one foot on my team is because one of my best friends, I had a five-year transition plan written out in July of wow. 2017 of how I was going to transition off my team and into full time with my business. And that was July of 2017. And in, in later that year, my best friend said to me, Christy, why five years if this is what you truly love? And I was like, well, that's a great question. Why? Well, six months later, I gave four months notice to my rainmaker and said, let's transition this. I'm ready. That's amazing. So asking great questions. I love that too. I mean, you, all it took was you asking them, asking you that question to to help you get to where you wanted to go on a shorter path yeah and it wasn't that she said to me like oh you can do this and why aren't you doing you know you can do this and whatever or pushing me to do it it was just asking a really objective question hmm. like if this is what you want to do why are why five years why wouldn't you do it in three or one what do you find to be the toughest part about, about coaching? Um, probably for me personally, on strength finders, I lead with empathy. It's my number one strength. And so I am challenged sometimes that I take my clients challenges on myself and worry about them and want to fix things for them instead of, helping them figure out what they want to do or need to do. Do you, how do you autocorrect on that? I mean, that's, that's tough because that's, that's strengths finders. That, that's incredible. Right. So how do you overcome that with what you're, you're. I think because what I've, what I've done is um, I coach a very small elite roster of people personally. Mm -hmm. I will never be the coach that coaches 30 or 40 people a week. Um, so I try to keep my roster around 10. 
Um, and then I have other coaches who also coach. And then I train and I teach and I'm passionate and love doing that as well. So I'll have, you know, 40 or 100 people in a class. And that that's that's a different level. So as long as if I was doing 20 or 30, I think I probably would not be a great coach. Yeah. It, what is it? Five to seven people is like healthy within your span of control. Yeah. Well, span of control, I would say three to five in a business. Yeah. At a high uh, level. At a high level. Yeah. yeah. How important is tracking to you? In the broad, broad sense of, of tracking, right? It could be, you know, finances, your steps in a day, your amount Everything. of water. What you measure grows. If it's an important thing to you, I think you have to track it. How do you, how do you track your days? So about a year ago, I got really granular on that, actually, because I decided I wanted to work towards my ideal week. And I chose the four areas that were the most important dominoes or where I spent the most time. And I decided what my ideal was. I color coded my Google calendar and I tracked it for probably six months until I could get it to where I wanted it. So I knew how much time I wanted to spend in lead gen, how much time I wanted to spend actually coaching, mm. how much time on admin, how much time, you know, personal, et cetera, development. And then I worked towards that. The color coding is a, a sure operational. I know we're, we're a little detail oriented here. It was a little bit tedious, but it forced me to have that visual. I needed the visual to see, yeah. you know, so my lead gen time is in green, right? Color of money. My, yeah, yep. I, yep. my, I like uh, my coaching times in pink. That's my passion area. Well, there is actually, you know, there's been a lot of studies on the the psych, psychological association that we have and what it does to our brain chemistry with colors, right? You know, yellow, for example, and white of pure, uh, purity, mm -hmm. uh, purple, I mean, green, red, all of that. I mean, McDonald's, what is it, red and yellow, it's hunger with the combination there, right? So yeah. I, I think it's interesting. And it's great that you you recognize that. I'm going through right now a uh, a time study. So if you if you listen cool. to the show, listen to the episode with Lars. This is some of Lars's content. It's a time study every 15 minutes. I'm documenting what I am doing. I've had my coaching clients do that. It's incredible to see these big chunks of what I'm doing, when I'm doing it, how frequently I'm doing it. Is it every day? Who else can do this stuff? Is it me? Is it someone else? What do I enjoy out of it? I mean, it's yep. incredible. So I'm what am I, delegate. Yeah. Oh man, the D and E. Um, <laughs> what am I? Six days in right now. I've got another week to go on it. Maybe. Yeah, that's an eye-opening exercise. It's incredible. It really is. It really, really is. So, uh, your take on on the keys to developing the next generation of leaders in the world that we have today. What, what do you think is, is necessary for the next generation of leaders? Gosh, that's a great question. Um, and I have probably a little bit of different perspective being older than you. I think one of the things that 
we've lost a little bit of is the ability to think critically. And I think we need to teach the next generation how to think. We don't need to teach them how to do. We need to teach them how to critically think and evaluate and make decisions um, and be independent thinkers. Mm. I think we've lost a little bit of that. Um, what I love about the next generation of leaders is the passion and the caring, the idealism. I love all of that. If you're to reflect on on maybe a, a failure, it doesn't have to be recent, but maybe a failure that you would you would speak to that generation of of upcoming leaders about so that they don't run into the same sinkhole or the same slop of mud maybe that you had to fight your way through, what, what would that situation be? Um, I think one of the mistakes that I made was not, not seeking out to be around the right people, to be around people who thought bigger than me. Um, I grew up very driven, as you know, you know, in the gifted and talented program and, you know, great grades and the top of my class kind of stuff. Um, but I never, because I was an introvert, stepped out into that bigger world. Mm. If I would have stepped out into that bigger world sooner, I think I would have grown a lot faster. So to really, I mean, it's, it's advice we've heard a million times to pay attention who you're spending your time with. But you don't recognize it either until at a certain point you reflect on it like, man, why was I hanging around that that group or that one person? And I had great friends. It wasn't like they were they were oh, yeah. weren't awesome people, but I my life changed. The same person that asked me the question, Christy, why are you waiting five years? My life changed the day that I met her. I met her in a Recruit Select class back in the day when Recruit wow. Select was a class. She drove from Tennessee to my office in Virginia to take this class and happened to sit next to me. And in one conversation, I was like, whoa. And she literally, she's one of my best friends to this day, and I'm old enough to be her mom. She's, you know, in her third, she's like 32 or whatever. Um, but that one conversation made me realize, holy cow, like I need to get outside myself. That's amazing. It was awesome. And everything has changed in what ways for you now? I mean, who, who, do you, who do you seek to surround yourself with? Is it just the five people so that you're at like the quote of you are the sum of the five people? That, or I like to be the dumbest person in the room. Yeah. Like that's my goal. So you asked about my retreat earlier. Where that came from was... I had always wished I could have this room of amazing operations people to pick their brains and grow. And I didn't know how to do that. So I'm like, I'm just going to like invite the, the best people around and have them all be in the room and then watch the magic happen. And then I get to learn. It's the same way we so started good. our podcast. Um, I do an elite COO retreat usually once a year where um, a group of us, maybe five to eight people get together, rent a house somewhere in the country and mastermind all weekend. And I did, I started doing that because I needed to learn and be around other people. So I'm like, Oh, I'm going to find all the best people around the country in this role and invite them together. That's so good. 
you're just you're just hacking all of it. I mean, just just finding finding the shortcut to it. But how do you all right here? How do you ensure that they're getting the value so that they sign up for something like that? How do they listen to the show? How do they log in to get on your email list? How do they know they're getting the value to where you're you may not even understand like the power that it has. And then all of a sudden you're talking to some of these people. How does that work to get them to your event for the value? How do, how do you prove I it? I think that my, it's naturally happened. It's organically happened because I love what I do and I want other people to experience what I've experienced. And so for so many years I've given back and I provide value. I, 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 you can put me in a chair in a corner of a room and go, Christy, do you want to talk about operations today? I'll be like, yes, let's talk about it. Let's mastermind. How can I help you? Like that gives me huge energy. So I think people are naturally drawn to that. And then it's not about me really, truly, once you get the right people in the room and they're all together, that's when the magic happens. I'm literally just the agent of facilitation almost in a way. And it's just a gift that I have to be able to put those people in the room. I know who those people are by how they carry themselves, not just what they do. Um, it's, are they authentic? Are they passionate? Are they growth oriented? Do they have integrity? Those things are really, really important to me. And when they have those things along with mastery of their role and you put them together, it's like this magic thing happens. It's really cool. Oh, just hearing the conversation. It just, I mean, just. And it's not about me. I literally will can sit in the back of the room. I'm speaking at my retreat this year for the first time. I didn't speak. I was not one of the speakers the last two years. That's interesting. Yeah. That's great uh, though. That's great. So Christy, you've shared, you've shared a document that's going into the BTL toolbox and this is about mistakes to help others not make these mistakes. Right. So, so let's talk about this a little bit, Christy. What, what is this? Where did this come from? How can anyone use this? So what I've experienced and I lived it myself, is I experienced failure in hiring, right? And we know that your operations people are like, they're, as the book says, one of my favorite books is Rocket Fuel. They're your rocket fuel, right? And yet we make so many mistakes. And I think what happens is agents hire an assistant, the assistant doesn't work out, they might try again, and then it doesn't work out and they go, oh, well, maybe I'm just not supposed to have an assistant. But they're really, it's just because they're not great at hiring. They make mistakes at hiring and they make mistakes at leading. So we put together a document, the five mistakes that agents make with their assistants. And it kind of gives you the ideas of not just the mistake, but how you can fix the mistake um, so that you can succeed in that area. That's great. I I love the the auto-correcting on there. I mean, you know, you're, you're going to mess up. What, what is it? Gary Keller says, you know, you'll get it right 50% of the time. I think it's less than that. Oh, I it's got to be interesting. The turnover in this role, I would say is probably like 75%. That guy is so good at it. I'm sure he might be at 50%. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
or maybe it's 50% if you count agents and not just ops people. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. Very true. Well, Chrissy, the document is incredible. So for everybody that's listening, this is the five mistakes agents make when they're they're ultimately going to be running into the failure of hiring their first assistant or any assistant for that any matter. Assistant. Yeah. So in order for everybody to access the document, and I, I would say, honestly, this is not necessarily something that's only going to be tailoring to real estate agents. This is something that you can you can look for whether it's going to be a virtual assistant that's helping you with leveraging out different tasks that you've got. It can be, you know, admin of, you know, in your office space, anything like that. So it's definitely not only geared towards real estate. So in order for everyone to access the document, as you know, you've got to make a charitable contribution to a nonprofit. So Christy, what is the nonprofit that you are selecting here for us? So it's Shalem Institute for Spiritual Formation, and they um, do spiritual formation um, on the contemplative side for leaders, and it's spiritual leaders as well as business leaders, and I think it's something we really need in today's world, right? And my one of my mentors um, is a spiritual director through that organization, so super passionate about them. Oh, I love it. I love it. It's so good. Well, Christy, thank you so much for joining, being such a rock star in so many different areas. And I've learned a ton from you just in, in you know, our short conversation here. And I'm excited to continue to learn more from you. And now everybody has the ability to listen to your examples and your leadership as well. So thank you so thank much you. for having me. Love that you're doing this podcast. So awesome. good. It's good for, for everyone and good for the soul. So everybody stay tuned for the next episode and we will see you then. Hey everybody. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the BTL podcast. That's the born to lead podcast. Please be sure to stay up to speed with all of our episodes that we're going to be launching by subscribing to us on Spotify as well as Apple Podcasts. And if you're looking for more information about what we're doing, check us out on Facebook, Born to Lead Podcast. And you can also find us on Instagram there too. And when you're ready to elevate yourself and your mindset, learn more from all of the folks that we've got on the show about their knowledge, attitude, skills, and their habits be sure to stay tuned on Facebook. That's how you're going to learn more about where to access and how to access our BTL toolbox, where you'll have all of the content that we were mentioning before. So stay tuned, everybody, and thanks for listening. See you next time.